1: were on reddit the other day, and you were clicking around, looking at funny animal pictures and peculiar facts, and at some point you found yourself clicking into some kind of real life mysteries subreddit. You clicked a couple of links. The posts inside were dumb. This guy is magnetic, watching stick spoons to his face. Winky face. And, I saw weird noise at night, what is it? You clicked into that one, and it was a picture of a guy with his index finger tucked into the side of his thumb, creating a little circle. It took you a second to realise you'd been had. Now they get to punch you in the arm. For free. You attempted to post something in the replies, but you decided not to. Instead, you clicked into another post. The title for this one was just... Podcast Girl Goes. The title seemed unfinished, as if whoever wrote it hit the end key before they were done typing. You clicked into it and you scrolled right past the main post to take a look at the comments. Some people were calling it fake. Others said it was the dumbest thing they'd ever heard. But one or two were saying that somebody needed to call the authorities. The post itself was an innocent looking list of audio files. The first one was titled, The Girl. Curious. You clicked play. There was nothing at first, and you were about to click away, but from the nothing came static, like somebody was pushing the microphone up against a magnet or a cathode ray tube. You could almost hear the tracking noises in the same way you used to see them on old VHS tapes. You could almost see the white noise in your mind. It rose and fell in waves, and in the noise there were the faint sounds of an old kid's TV show. You kinda, sorta recognised it. You kinda sorta could picture the jerky hand animated motions of the plasticine characters like Pingu or the Clangers, and then a voice. It sounded like the narrator from the Mister Men cartoons. "Hello, Silly Billy," it said. Uh... "Hello, Grandpa. Hello, Little Mister. Oh, and hello, Little Miss Peek. I almost didn't see you there, in there. Then the tracking noise returned, the defragmentation. and Then you heard the theme tune, and you knew. You knew that you recognised the melody, but also that you didn't. It was like that show, The Magic Roundabout, but this one was different. Comforting but strange, familiar but not. As if you tuned into a TV channel being broadcasted from somewhere else. Somewhere that isn't here. And for a moment, it felt like the song would never stop, but the sound dropped in pitch, slowed, almost like the tape was melting. Then the magnets were back. The defragmentation. A microphone clicked, and a young girl started to speak.
2: Um, hi. Welcome to episode one of... Wait, no... Maybe this should be like the preview episode, or the trailer episode, I don't know, no, maybe this whole thing will just get thrown up in one long feature, I don't know, Um, okay, one sec, I can always change it, okay, welcome to episode one of The Toy Factory, I'm your host, May, and may I take your hand and take you on a journey of mystery, exploration, and maybe, just maybe, horrific revelation. No, wait. That sounds like I'm promising something bad will happen. Um, <laughs> sorry if the recording quality isn't up to, uh, this American life standards. This is my first production, and all I had was this cheap tape recorder and a Lavia mic that I borrowed. Uh, it's pretty neat, though. Uh, it fixes to my collar, all tidy-like. Currently, it's sitting right above my chest. I wonder if you can hear my heartbeat.
1: You could. You could hear her heartbeat. But it was faint. Delicate.
2: Have you heard the one about the Climbrose 20X10? You're probably aware of it without even realising. Bros 20X10 was a YouTube channel put together by two brothers. Jason and David Thacker. All the way back in January 2010, when they uploaded their first video titled 10 Things We Love About Bouldering. As of recording this podcast, the video has been viewed almost 6 million times. Staggering to say that the video is little more than a poorly edited, poorly filmed video chat that lasts 11 minutes, in which Jason and David, 15 and 17 at the time of recording, awkwardly avoid looking at the camera and mumble somewhat incoherently to one another by anyone's standards, it's not exactly quality entertainment. So why then? Why so many views? Well, the brothers continued to upload videos sporadically over the years, and found a small taste of success with their urban exploration series, wherein they snuck into uh, various abandoned buildings across the UK and documented what they found inside. Usually, not much. Their confidence grew, and so did the quality of their videos, and by 2020, they had a consistent viewership. And From what I can gather from the stats, appeared to have almost 20,000 subscribers. That's pretty decent. It was only last year that Climb 20x10 went viral. And it wasn't due to any one video they made, but due to the one they didn't make. See, on October 3rd 2021, David Thacker tweeted something his brother then retweeted it it would be the last message either of them would ever send more on that in a second before we proceed i think it's important we know a little bit about me i may hi in two weeks i'll be leaving my hometown of burnsfield or as we call it bernie and i'm going to be heading to university to study law not my first choice I wanted to do media production. But what can I say? Dad's not exactly a fan of me leaving at all. Never mind wanting to study a project that has very little in the way of job prospects. I'll miss him. In two weeks, I will be. Packed she went on, this girl. She hotel. talked about
1: how making the podcast was her swan song, her goodbye to her youth, her little souvenir to take from this nowhere town to where she will go next. She sounded so young to you, 18 maybe? She also sounded excited. You hated that she sounded so hopeful, but you weren't sure why. Not yet, anyway.
2: I haven't told my dad this, but when I leave Bernie, I don't intend to ever come back. Bernie is a place made for leaving. Nobody lives in here. Not many people, anyway. It's a ghost town. <laughs> See, Burnie only ever had two things going for it. The mines, which were closed in the 80s thanks to Maggie Thatcher, and the huge factory-turned-amusement park on the edge of town. With the mines gone, the factory became the de facto heart of Bernie for almost 20 years, but it too closed in the mid-2000s due to an incident when a young boy lost their life on one of the rides. The press weren't kind <laughs> So without the mines, and without the factory, Bernie was left to wither and die. Most people moved, or retired. Or, if they were as dumb and as lost as my dad, they simply waited. Hung around like rotting fruit clinging desperately to the breaking branches of a dead tree. I won't miss it. Not up to today. There are places for people like me. Online boards for people obsessed with a good mystery. People who subscribe to Fortean Times watch reruns of Beyond Belief, Fact or Fiction. Subreddits for people who spend hours upon hours discussing questions that have yet to be answered. Including the one of Climb Bros 20x10. What happened to them? Where did they go? I made a mistake. Dad would kill me if he knew, but on one of the subreddits, I posted that I was from Burnsfield. Don't worry, I, I gave them a fake name. Almost immediately after posting, I received a DM from a user called Oak55. This was gone three in the morning, and through my caffeine stained eyeballs, I read the message. And then I reread it. And then reread it again and again. It said The climbers are closer than you think. I typed back a single word reply where i hit enter within seconds oak 55 responded with an image it was a still taken from a video it was blurry and pixelated but even through the distortion i immediately knew what i was looking at the image showed a broken and weather-beaten face sitting atop a pile of rubble loose bricks soggy wood the cartoon eyes were huge round white circles and the pupils had faded to near nothing. The cheeks, once rosy, had bleached in the years left out in the open. I replied, Where did you get this? Oak 55 responded with a screenshot of David Sacker's final tweet. And then, just as I was about to type, they sent another message. Consider this a formal invitation, it said. I looked at the image for so long it felt like I could see between the pixels. I wondered, could it be the final image captured by the Thacker brothers? If so, how would this Oak 55 have access to it? What did he mean by a formal invitation? Had the brothers been in Verney all this time? This leads me to this morning. To right now. Outside, dawn hasn't yet broken... My rucksack is packed. I've loaded up with spare batteries for the recorder. I've got some waterproofs. I've got my dad's torch. Some food and a full thermos of coffee. I think I'm ready. Before I leave Bernie for good, I want to see if I can get something out of this husk of a town. I want to see if I can make my way through the old estates, head to the gates of the forgotten factory, by the fallen statue of the smiling cartoon character. I responded to Oak 55 with the exact same phrasing that David Thacker used in his final tweet. Uh, It seemed somewhat poetic to me. Maybe a little distasteful, but... But not if I can find them. Not if I can somehow save some part of them. Maybe find closure for their family and friends, and all those millions of people still wondering what happened to them. I typed out the words. I'm going the factory I hit enter that was this morning a second later I started to pack ten minutes after that I hit record wish me luck
1: good luck you thought as the file went silent left you wondering if this was it if this was all the mystery was a simple question who was May and what happened after left? but the audio returned and you understood that you would find out what happened to her and you probably wouldn't like it
2: i am now heading through what i think my dad always called the colliery estates Uh, everyone who used to live here used to work at the factory it looks like it could have been nice at some point um but now everything is boarded up and the gardens are so overgrown A while back I saw a burnt out car, Uh, no doubt Joyrider stole it, drove it here because nobody ever comes here, not even the police, the place looks dead. to climb through a gap in some construction fencing to get to the car park and now, just ahead I can see those huge wrought iron gates I'm surprised they're still standing Behind the gates I can see turnstiles and signage Faded, but I can just about see the faces painted on there the different characters I think they made a TV show out of some of these guys In fact I can definitely remember reading a children's book with that main guy's face on it I think his name was Billy? No, wait. It was Silly Billy? I also found a ticket stub. (laughs) Amazing, right? I can even recognise the logo. I know it because it used to creep me out so much when I saw it on the spine of the children's books. A charcoal drawing of a tree with jagged branches. And in the middle of the tree trunk, there's a face. I think it's supposed to be smiling, but... Okay. Up ahead, I can see the factory entrance. Wow. It's huge. Holy fuck.
1: More static sounds. More talk of exploration. She was so determined, wasn't she? If only she were a little less so. If only she would have turned back, went home, then maybe she could have been spared all the pain. The breaking.
2: I'm here. I'm at the place where the photo was taken, right next to the statue. I don't know what the character this one was supposed to be. I don't know. It feels wrong standing here. It feels like everywhere I look, I've just missed someone looking at me. Or something. I bet there are rats here. I bet there are lots and lots of rats. The front doors were locked. No, I mean, they were locked when I tried them. I'm a thousand percent sure. And yet, when I went to look for another way in, even considered climbing over the wall, I came back to find that the front doors weren't just unlocked. They were open. It started to rain. I got out my dad's torch, took one last look at the world outside, and then slipped through the doors into the factory. It was dark inside. Too dark to see the ends of the room. The windows above the doors had been smudged with some kind of black oil. The floor was covered with litter. Skeletal leaves. And there were more maps here. These ones weren't as damaged as the ones outside. They didn't show the factory. Not the real factory. Just the tourist centre exterior. A museum come theme park. I could see the little cartoonish ghost train, the build your own toy workshop, the gift shop, Pecan Boo's dollhouse. I looked at the walls with my torch and there were more faces, more toys I vaguely recognised from my childhood. They were holding hands, connected all the way around the room, there to welcome visitors. There were TVs too, old ones. Big, heavy, fat ones. My distorted reflection looked back at me from the dark glass. I called out, and my voice echoed through the thick shadows of the corridor beyond the ticket booths. Nothing called back. As I walked deeper in, I smelled something that I vaguely recognised. It was thick. Cloying. The kind of smell I knew I'd be washing out of my hair for days afterwards. It reminded me of the time our cat precious, brought in a dead rabbit and left it to rot behind the boiler. At the ticket booths, a part of me wanted the turnstiles to be locked, but the bars rotated easily, the ones in front falling away as the one behind pulled me inside. The torchlight shook. Maybe that was my hand, um. My footsteps were so loud against the utter quiet... Even my breathing seemed arrogantly loud. At the end of the corridor was a red door. It wasn't locked. On the floor, there was some tape with the words No Trespassing on them. I went through. Had to hold back the scream as I entered what I imagined was the main welcome room. It was large, circular. Two doors, uh, one for staff only. There were more faces here. Giant jars full of sweets, all fake of course, and filthy. In the centre of the room was a life-sized silly billy. He was stood motionless, smiling, hand in the air as if waving me in. I kept my torchlight on his face as I went to him. Felt his genuine fabric suit, his wooden fingers, waxy and dusty. He wore that same painful smile as I reached my fingers towards his face, felt the wiry hair and the marble eyes. I wanted to touch his teeth, but I yanked my fingers back, suddenly scared that he was about to bite me. Silly, I know.
1: He paused the audio, went back a step, listened again. Not to her voice but the sound behind it, the faint titter of laughter. It sounded like children.
2: Suddenly scared that he was about to bite me. Silly, I know. I don't know why, but I laughed. Maybe at myself for getting so worked up. But the laugh disappeared when I sidestepped around him and tripped. I almost fell to the floor but managed to grab onto Silly Billy's arm. The torch fell from my hand, rolled across the floor. My bottle panic erupted, and I screamed a stupid loud scream as I scrambled towards the torch but found something else instead. At first, I thought it was another life sized doll, maybe another Silly Billy, maybe one of the other characters. But the hair was not wiry, and the fingers were not wooden. The flesh was soft and wet. I frantically scrambled for the torch, took a deepest breath as I could manage in the panic, and pointed it down. The thing on the floor was facing the other way, legs and arms awkwardly tucked, as if it were some giant ragdoll thrown across a child's bedroom floor. I leaned down over it and carefully brushed the hair from its face. The eyes were bulbous, soupy. The veins and arteries were like splintered roots beneath almost translucent skin. The top lip was papery thin and pulled back. I moved the torch down less than an inch and saw what looked like a huge dry slug had tried to wiggle inside her mouth. But it wasn't a slug. It was her tongue. It had been pulled almost all the way out. I don't know how long I stared at it. "'try to make sense of it, but, um, two points to note. "'One, the body did not belong to either of the Thacker brothers. "'It was a woman. Two, the body didn't look all that old. "'I held my breath as I reached a hand inside one of the coat pockets, "'but somewhere a door slammed, "'and I accidentally breathed in a lungful of the death stink as I crawled away.' everything i could not to be sick i heard static noise and then a second later music started to play a jingle i definitely recognized an insane twinkling loop that i'd locked away for years i stepped over the body by silly billy and followed the sound back into the corridor one of the suspended TVs was now on filling the room with a wash of fizzy white noise In the distortion there was a stop motion animation, the characters, all of them holding hands and dancing around a tree.
1: Her heartbeat sounded loud and fast, like that of a small birds. You wanted to tell her to leave, to run. Please, just leave.
2: The song got louder as another character stepped out from behind one of the trees. It was tall, human looking. It was wearing a long grey suit and a comically large purple hat. I couldn't quite make out the face at all, the features lost in the noise, but it jerkily stepped into view and stood there, not moving, not doing anything. "'Hello, visitors,' a voice said. The voice of the narrator, I I guess. There was applause, and then... Wait... Do you hear that?
1: There it was. That music again.
2: It must be on a loop of some kind. Uh, Anyway, I I saw it. And in it, the narrator said how lucky we were to see behind the curtain. Uh, He said something like, We've been making toys for ever so long and I'm very happy that you've come to see how the magic is. The TV cut out. Everything went silent again. I ran to the turnstiles. Tried to leave, but they were locked. I couldn't budge them in either direction. I tried to slide through, but it was too tight. I ran back to the red door. Looked for a fire exit or something. Anything. I tried the staff-only door, but it was locked. Behind me, the TV came alive again. Played that same music. That same warbling audio. That's when I noticed that the body that was on the floor, it was gone. You're bound to meet all sorts of friendly faces along the way, the narrator said, and the TV cut out again just as I pointed my torch at Silly Billy's face. Then the torch went out. I panicked, banged my hand against it, tried to shake some life into it, but the latch opened up and the battery spilled across the floor. My entire body convulsed as I felt my way through the darkness. Things moved in my eyes. Did I see a face looking back at me, smiling? Did I feel something grab at me? I heard a child's laugh, I think. And then something caressed my face. Then I think... Maybe I passed out? I I don't know, to be honest. I just know that I was suddenly on the floor. Shaking. Cold. I backed up into a corner. Drank some coffee from the thermos in my bag. Lots of coffee. Uh, And then I... I guess I started to record this. I don't know why the TVs keep playing. I'm surprised there's power in this hollowed-out husk of a building. My phone is dead. It always dies when it gets cold. I found the torch batteries, though. And now I'm sitting by the blue door. The map says that the Blue Door leads to the Ball Pit Kingdom. I guess... I guess that's where I'm going next. And whenever I get out of here, I'm leaving all of this Scooby-Doo shit behind me. Burnsy. The Mysteries. I'm going to become the best fucking law student in the fucking world. Take a deep breath, May. Take a deep breath, and I am never going to ever go on Reddit ever again.
1: Good luck, you said to her, as she pushed open the heavy door and stepped through, deeper into the factory, and behind her you heard it, those TVs, that voice, and you suddenly knew the face. The grey, smoky hair spilling out from beneath the dark purple hat. The eyes obscured, the mole on his face, the wrinkled hand reaching out towards you. Master Chansey. You knew him. Somehow you knew him and yet, he didn't exist. None of this was ever real. There was no such thing as Master Chansey's toy emporium. Or his toys. Or his factory. There was probably no May, either. It was all fake. A prank. There was no such thing as Master Chansey. And yet, why was it that you could now remember him?
0: We hope you enjoyed your trip to the Toy Factory today. This audio experience was pieced together by the Hawking Cleaver Story Studio and its wider community, which includes a splattering of writers, a screaming of narrators, some maniacal musicians, eldritch art makers, scalpel-wielding quality control specialists, and a pair of demonic community admins, all of whom live in an abandoned office block which was somehow transported to a hell dimension after someone got a Hellraiser puzzle box for their last secret Santa. If you're enjoying The Toy Factory, please note that you can get an extra episode by becoming a patron or subscribing to The Other Stories with an Apple Podcast Premium subscription. To find out more, and to join our Discord community, head on over to www.patreon.com forward slash cleaver. There you'll get to chat with the Hawk and Cleaver team and also help support us for more Halloween specials for years to come. On top of all that, limited Toy Factory merch will be available over at www.theotherstories.net forward slash thetoyfactory. The Toy Factory was conceived by Luke Condor and written by Luke Condor and Daniel Wilcox. For more of Luke's work, head to lukecondor.com and for more of Daniel's work, head to danielwilcox.com The audio was stitched, massaged and digitally distorted by the audio wizard himself, Carl Hughes. Follow Carl at twitter.com forward slash Carl Hughes. Georgia Cook plays the role of May. For more, head to georgiacookwriter.com Justin Fife plays the role of Master Chansey. He can be found at twitter.com forward slash Justin B. Fife. Josh Curran and Manny Real Guy play the Thacker Brothers. Follow Josh on twitter.com forward slash jcurranwriter. Manny Real Guy, however, cannot be followed by any conventional means. But speaking of unconventional, Manny Real Guy also performs the role of Oak 55. The listeners' background music was created by Birds of Paradise. Check them out at facebook.com forward slash Birds of Paradise MTL. Some of the factory music was created by Clankbuild. Check them out at freesound.org slash people slash clankbuild. Other various effects such as tape noise, distortion, and many more provided by the great community over at freesound.org. We'd also like to thank the Hawking Cleaver community members who forced, I mean, politely asked their children to lend their voices to the toys, including Jimmy Johnson, Sunny Real Guy, and others. The graphics were handled by our master of social media toy making, Ben Errington. Follow him at twitter.com forward slash Ben underscore Errington. This year's chilling cover artwork was created by the one and only Matt Seth Barnes. Find more of Matt's work at mattseffbarnes.com. Hey, did you know that Halloween specials have been a tradition for the and Cleaver team for several years now? Well, if you need more Halloween audio treats in your life now or in the future, then don't worry, dear listener, because we have you covered. Simply search for The Nest, The Halloween Horrors of Old Mill Lane, or The Witching Hour in your podcast application of choice. The Toy Factory is a production of the Story Studio Hawking Cleaver and is brought to you with a Creative Commons Attribution Non-Commercial No-Derivatives License, which of course means don't change it, don't sell it, but by all means, share the hell out of it. Until next time. next time X-Time. 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 X-Time.